and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter, and I'm joined this Independence Day by Alex and Phoebus of Hercules Game Studios. How are we doing, guys? Hello, we are fine. We are actually excited to be with you here uh, today, Ben. Hi, Ben. It's good to be here. Thank you. And it's, uh, it's a proper conference call today because Alex is in Greece and Phoebus is in London, and I'm in Glasgow. So, yeah. That's... Yeah. I, yeah, that's actually exciting. <laughs> the magic of the internet. What a time to be alive. Ironically, I'm a little bit closer to you than Alex at the moment. I know. Bizarre. But there we go. Hercules Game Studios. Uh, I think it's fair to say that you guys are a re- relatively new kid on the block. Um, so how, how did Hercules Game Studios come to be? Yeah, that's correct. We are quite new in... in um... I think it's been about two years that we've been we've been planning this, and about a year that we formally exist as a as a company. Um, so Alex and I have been kind of playing board games, role playing games for quite a long time together, uh, and we we got into design together. And at some point, we just thought, you know, we really need to get to um, to allow other people to play the games that we're working on. So that's how Hercules Games came to be, pretty much. Um, Alex. Yeah, and um, well, this is uh, actually because the game we're talking about is is Road mm-hmm. Quest. Uh, Road Quest wasn't the first game we designed. Uh, we have also other other games, uh, but we are planning to release soon. Uh, but Road Quest, I think, it was the best project, uh, the most ready project we had. So we went with it now. Uh-huh. I think the other one that I've seen, and I think you've taken it to a couple of shows as well, is After London, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So After London, we're also yeah. very excited about it. It's a steampunk post-apocalyptic uh, game. It's got quite a few innovative um, mechanics. It is quite a complicated project, so we didn't really want to start with that. Uh, and I think yeah. Roll Quest has a much wider audience. Um so that's sure. when we decided to just go with Roll Quest. It's a smaller box, it's more portable. Um, so that's why we, we decided to go with Roll Quest first. Yeah, so on, on the subject of Roll Quest, um, do you want to tell us a bit about um, what sort of game that is and how it works? Well, Roll Quest is, uh, is a social role playing card game that combines guessing, role playing, sure. improvisation. Um, the, the aspect of it is that you actually take the role of mm-hmm. a character in a fantasy town, okay, and you put yourself in a peculiar situation where you have to talk to another character. Uh, each of the characters have uh, has uh-huh. a hidden personality, and they have to let the other person to actually guess right this personality. And if they do, they book. Okay. So it's a little bit uh, a little bit of guess who in there, a little bit of social deduction, that sort of thing. Yeah, a little bit of that. I mean if you mm-hmm. if you think about mm-hmm. how designed the game, we play a lot of role playing games, but role playing games take a lot of time. Uh-huh. Sure. We, we were trying to try to con- condense the role playing experience in a in a kind of shorter time. And we were thinking there are a lot of things we like about a 
role-playing campaign. We're like, you know, um, planning our characters, developing our characters, doing a lot of things. But one of the things that happens in the moment and we really enjoy is when we talk to each other in character. So we, we built a game around that concept. You know, there's an innkeeper uh, talking to a wizard who wants, and each one of has their own goals and their own personalities. And, and you're just talking to each other and you create these kind of fun moments that you, you talk about. I, I still remember when um, like six, seven years ago, we were playing um, a role-playing game and Alex's character uh, died. In the game. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, too soon. It's a painful memory. It's for only me. seven years. Yeah, um, but we we still talk about that. It's we still talk about these moments. So we wanted to condense kind of these memorable, fun situations where anything can happen in a shorter game. And this is how Roll Quest was created, pretty much. Sure, and I suppose the other thing is, um, we we recently had Steve Jackson uh, on the show to talk about the new edition of his role-playing game, Fantasy Trip. And and uh, w- one of the things that um, that we discussed in that is is just how, it, it, as good as they are, um, role-playing games take a long time to play. I mean, and the, the, the character creation process on its own, uh, yeah. you, you pretty much have to dedicate a whole evening yeah. to that. Yeah, and you know, if you want to play a D&D session, you need like... Ten hours to finish something, well, or even more. Finish, yeah. <laughs> because you never yeah. make any decision. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know it's always you know, and then and ordering the pizza and the beers and everything and things are going on. Oh yeah, there. all of that, and then like you know, you've got people you maybe not seen each other for two weeks and they're catching up and all of that stuff exactly. as well. To be honest, yeah. our group generally yeah. takes a bit longer than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's we. Okay. I I think one of the first times I played D and D because I I came to it quite late. I, th- I think I was I was it would it was just after fifth edition had released, oh. and uh, a, f- a friend of mine had decided that he wanted to run a campaign, and uh, at the start of the campaign, all of our characters are in the boat heading to the. The destination where the initial dungeon crawl is going to take place, and I think we spent about an hour fighting in the boat about what we were going to do. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in uh, in Roll Quest, what is happening is there is a situation. For example, the wizards and the necromancer are in the town hall, and the wizard wants to raise a ticket he got. Okay, and well. You got into the conversation, you have your hidden personality, you have to reveal to the other person in this conversation, and you have to actually, it, the game forces you to actually create the persona that you want sure. to present at moment. So that actually, it's, um, but, you know, it gives you all the fun, but actually you don't have to do all the way. And it, uh, with, that, with no maths as well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the I guess the design ethos was that you you created that that role playing experience uh, centering around the conversation without all the micromanagement and the combat and that sort yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I guess the 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 next question naturally would be, who did you have in mind when you designed Role Quest? What type of gamer? 
is this a game so aimed at? we were thinking mainly about the people so there's two groups really that we were thinking about the one is people that play role-playing games or used to play role-playing games quite a lot and now because of life they don't have the opportunity to play as much as they would like and i think we fall in that category very much <laughs> Um, so we kind of designed sure. it for ourselves a little bit, but I think there's a lot of people that feel the same way. I, I keep talking to people and they say, oh, I just I wish I could have more time to play role-playing games. Um, the other group is there's a lot of people that we've talk, spoken to that want to try role-playing games, but they feel very intimidating. So we wanted to make like a gateway uh -huh. role-playing game. But, you know, they talk a lot about gateway role-playing games, but it's there's a huge step still because you need a DM, you need someone to prepare for hours for the campaign, they need to improve their skills, it, it just becomes quite quite difficult and we, we just kind of felt that we needed another step before that um, a kind of lighter step just to get into the idea of you're for, for 5 minutes, 20 minutes, you're someone else Yeah And also, and also in the process we discovered that people that had nothing to do with role playing whatsoever, okay, and they really, really enjoy playing this this game because it's it's a small game. The sessions, the conversations last like ninety seconds, and you see people that they have never actually role played before, and they are actually you know enjoying the whole process a lot. Yeah, so. A, a fairly universal appeal is, is is what you're going for with RollQuest, I guess. Well, yeah, and also, you know, w we found out that it has a great appeal to the D&D players, uh -huh. but also anyone can actually uh, enjoy RollQuest. I think there's, there's different yeah. things into it for everyone. We really designed it for these two groups that I said in the beginning, right? Role players that don't have time and then people that want to try role playing but they they kind of intimidated by it sure and then we realized actually you know friday night um i was at a, I was at a wedding on a personal event and with, with the night before the wedding there was a group of that a lot of people don't really play games or role playing games at all and i just i had two copies with me naturally <laughs> good businessman um Play into groups of six and played the game, and you could you could just hear people laughing and and kind of doing silly voices and yeah. kind of impersonating each other. And, and you know, I kind of I had one of these moments where it's like, oh my god, I I made this. I made these people have so much fun. And it, you know, it, 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 none of these people were in these two groups. But yeah, that I, I suppose that's quite nice actually. When when you know you have a moment like that where you realize that there, there's appeal. Uh, for your game out with what you were originally shooting for. And, and also, yeah. because we also have, okay, this is like the personality is, the hidden personality is the main aspect, but there are also the curses uh -huh. in the game. So before the conversation starts, other players can actually give to other to the players that have in the conversation curses. So, for example, there is a curse of Julius Caesar, where the person must do the conversation talking about themselves in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there, yeah. are, there, are, there, are, there are things like that, you know, but actually spice things up a bit. Yeah, there's a few quirks thrown in there, make it interesting. Yeah. So, it's quite, just picking up on what you were saying earlier about the, the game being a form of a gateway game, 
It's quite an interesting thought, actually, because I think most people would not really dispute that um, as far as tabletop role-playing games go, D&D is probably the most beginner-friendly and streamlined. But even then, it can be information overload. And as you say, you know, maybe something like RollQuest is uh, as good as a bit of a, a stopgap for people who want to get into tabletop role-playing games but have no experience of doing it because, um, I mean, certainly over the past few years, the the popularity and interest in tabletop role-playing games has skyrocketed. And I, I think if you think about the different elements of role-playing games, the most intimidating is not building your character because that's actually quite, um, that's actually quite you know, straightforward, right? The thing that I think people find intimidating is role-playing. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so once they get over that part, the rest is just finding a DM, filling in a, a, a sheet and, and you know, doing your own thing. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, even because yeah. we mentioned earlier about the how character creation for um, for games like Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, uh, Call of Cthulhu, character creation takes up a whole session. But at the same time... Uh, my experience anyway with character creation that uh, your your gm can pretty much hold your hand th- throughout all of that yeah yeah and also and also you know you create your character in one session you begin the yeah. adventure in another session and then you need to continue then that it's like okay i like i i really personally i really like the process but for some people you know uh, yeah you may not have the time yeah that's fair and it, you can start out on a role-playing campaign with uh, with all these grand plans uh, and all these stories and things, but the the reality is, like you're saying, like for people in certain de- demographics, that um, life just takes over, doesn't it? Yeah, and also to continue what what Fibos was saying before about my character. Well, I did have a character, but unfortunately, uh, he suffered a gruesome death. Oh and, man! You know, yes, that scarred me. Yeah, you traumatized by that now. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that won't happen in the road quest. I cannot. Speak about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> okay, there, there you have it, folks. You will not need to go for counselling from playing road quest. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I I wanted to say I don't think I I don't think of road quest as a replacement of role playing games. I think yeah. I think you know. It's it's a it's a gateway into role playing games. Sure. It, what you would do, you know, the alternative would be not playing at all because you would play role quest when you don't have time, or you know when you're sometimes uh, the uh, at Christmas we were still kind of um, uh, it was still pretty early to to play the actual game, but sometimes between the sessions, someone was late, we had some time. Role quest would be a good kind of play game to play then to hone our role-playing skills before the session begins yeah. as opposed to just kind of chatting with everyone until everyone arrives it it's not you know i don't think of it as something that you would do instead of role-playing games that is shorter or better in any way it's just something that you would do in these moments where you want to play a role-playing game or you'd like to and for all these reasons you can't sure it's, it scr- scratches a similar itch but still provides a different experience yeah yeah, yeah. And it offers an excellent experience yeah. of role-playing. And also, it's also the improvisation, the guessing element that you know, sure. goes in. 
Yeah. And actually, that comes to an interesting yeah. point about, um, I think, having seen people play, the first time around, they think a lot about themselves. So they think a lot about their personality and what they're trying to role-play and any curses they have. As they play the second round, the third round, or then, you know, when the game is finished, they go for a new game. They start realizing that to win the game, it's not all about just role-playing your personality really well, but giving the other people the space to role-play theirs. So that you can listen to them and you can understand what their character is, so you can guess successfully. So I think it, it is, you know, thinking about what happens in a role-playing session as well in an RPG is you really want this kind of balance between the characters. So I think role quest kind of forces you, if you want to win, as you go through the rounds, to realize actually this is not just about me doing my thing. It's about trying to listen and be sensitive to what everyone else is trying to present. Yeah, so there is a cooperative element to it. They, I mean, I've heard a few people, they, they, they talk about um, improvisation, you know, in terms of acting and things like that. And uh, what, one of the, the main rules of improvisation is to never say no. And it's, it's quite interesting when you think about that in terms of the application of that. It's like, you know, when, when someone... <laughs> throws a scenario at you, you you do need to go with it and it's as you say you do need to work together and you can't be too focused on yourself and this is actually incorporated in the game in the sense that if you find the other person personality trait you actually you both win yeah so that's actually yeah this is a, like a um, cooperative you know it's like it's like a, mm -hmm. yeah you work as a team Yep, nothing wrong with that. the The game is currently on Kickstarter. Um, Correct. Why Why did you guys? It maybe seems like a slightly obvious question, but why did you guys decide to use Kickstarter to to launch the game? Because, um, as Alex and myself were discussing before um, you joined us, um, yep. Phoebus, Kickstarter's had its fair share of controversies at the moment, and it's becoming increasingly more competitive but um why is it that you guys decided to use kickstarter in spite of those elements? yeah that's a, that's a good question i think i think one of the challenges i guess one of the controversies the way i perceive it and correct me if i'm wrong is that kickstarter is partly used as a pre-ordering system rather than a than what it is a, a kickstarting system, right so yeah. i have a company and i was going to make this game anyway and and I just use Kickstarter to build a lot of popularity and hype, and then I published the game, um, having had a lot of pre-orders. I think we are doing exactly what Kickstarter is made for. We we're using Kickstarter to collect the fans and to to build the crowd that we need, which of course we've been working on a while before we actually launched, in order to make this game reality. Uh, so if it wasn't for Kickstarter, yeah. I think this game would just be a prototype based on our 85% um, funding on day four now it looks like thanks to Kickstarter this game is actually going to be published yeah and uh, getting to people's homes well because you know the alternative would be like to go to design the game and try to market it ourselves or find the publisher or it's again this is another process yeah and which is again very strange. And I suppose when you do go and go down the road of approaching uh, publishers and private investors, um, as you guys are no doubt aware, there's always the danger 
um, I mean, you're almost guaranteed at, at some point or another to at least relinquish a degree of creative control. Yeah, that's true. It's also the, the freedom, but you actually, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes that's good, right? Because because these people have experience and, and, and the people that publish games know not only what's commercially successful, but also what works in practice. So I think there is merit to going with a with a um, you know a, a well-known publisher, but I you know for us this was this we, we, we just the indie road seemed to be the the right thing. I don't think we debated it a lot. It just felt like the, the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean as as you say, Kickstarter was designed for guys like yourselves, but. Um, on on the subject of approaching the um, the private in investors, just picking up on what you were saying there, Phoebus, uh, I don't think. It, I mean, it's a fair point that more more often than not, the, the publishers they at least do have more experience than you do with the market and that sort of thing. But um, Kickstarter, in a way, is also evidence that they don't always know what the market wants, because the, there's a lot of projects that have come through Kickstarter. And they've gone to Kickstarter because they said, look, we already approached a bunch of publishers and no one was interested in this. Um, like a, a fairly recent example was um, uh, Platonic Games, who were, uh, uh, granted this isn't tabletop, this is video games. Uh, they were a bunch of the minds that, that used to work for Rare and they made uh, a 3D platformer called Ukulele, which was a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. And that absolutely smashed all of their expectations for funding. And they said a similar thing that they approached publishers and they weren't interested in doing a 3D platformer because they felt that that was very much a thing of the late 90s. That ship had sailed, but the uh, the market um, behaved in a way that was completely different from the expectations of those people. So yeah, that's that's absolutely true, and I think I know which one you're you're talking about. Like, I, it, it rang a bell when you said eighties and like yeah, yeah, yeah. We mentioned earlier um, that Kickstarter's had its fair share of controversies. Uh, it's become more competitive, and with that, I think it's fair to say that the expectations of the Kickstarter market are higher than they've ever been. Are you guys concerned about backer backlash? Well, we we did our research. Well, I mean, we have uh, contacted, we are pretty certain about the things that we follow when the game is funded. Um, so we know with whom we're going to manufacture the game, how we're going to sure. distribute the game. So we found reliable partners in order to ensure that our but the, but the gamers will have their game in uh, approximately April. Maybe sooner, sure. maybe April. I, I don't think May. I mean, April is going to be like the date they're going to receive their game. Yeah. And that requires lots of, and lots of research. So the, the, the other thing I would add is that we, we always have option two and option three, or backup two and backup three for, oh, yeah. for every partner that we have. Um, not that we don't trust them, but you know it's a it's a it's a moving market. You never know what happens, and it's good to know these things in advance. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm wondering whether that's really what your question was about, or there was another element to it. Is it more about ensuring that our partners will deliver, or was it, you know, the backer backlash element? Well, I, th I think backer backlash. I mean, we speak to a lot of different companies now, and and certainly as a concern of anyone. Um, but it, it sounds as though you guys have a lot of uh, contingency plans in place. But that being said, 
the internet is not known for its uh, rational responses to things, shall we say? Yeah, that, that, that's fair. Um, it, it depends really on what would, would what would trigger that. Um, I I don't think. Yeah, as as you've said, you guys have got your contingency plans in place, that sort of thing. But um, uh, delays, any that sort of thing happen. It's some, sometimes it's inevitable, and um, yeah, that's true. Certainly, the Kickstarter audience has a track record of responding to things like that quite badly. So, you know, what we've done to avoid that as much as possible is we 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 looked at the timelines until after our game is is finished in Kickstarter, and we took the maximum mm. of amount of time and then added some padding, just to make sure because we think things yeah. are going to ro- are going to go wrong. We didn't go with the earliest possible we went with what we think is actually realistic yeah. with including some potential delays uh, the other thing is because we've been prototyping uh, quite aggressively until now we all our creative files already um, so during the Kickstarter we're now that we know a little bit kind of the direction it's taking we're also validating the files etc so you know, we're trying to save time wherever possible, just to make sure that mm-hmm. we don't have any any issues. So I I think we're we're, we're good in that respect. Sure. And it, it, you know, yeah. even if there was a, a slight delay, on with all the padding that we've got and all the planning that we've got, I, I doubt it would be significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I do think as much as um, backer backlash is now a thing, I think that um, most people, as long as they're assured that they're receiving. A higher quality product, and that, that a delay is requisite for the the higher quality. I think most people are um, quite uh, willing and ready to accept that. It wouldn't exceed, I think, Adrian. It wouldn't exceed. Adrian, yeah. yeah, I think. I think. Um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a direct relationship between the success of Kickstarter campaigns and how communicative the the people who are running that uh, campaign are with the audience it's also it's also very very important to keep to have a clear and honest communication with your backers in that aspect certainly a lot of the campaigns i've observed that haven't been successful there's a lot of buzz in communication at launch then it drops off and then what happens is as people do during the course of the month they forget that they've, you know, that that project was even there, or maybe they start to think that the silence is a sign that things aren't going too well, and then they jump ship. But um, I mean, as you say, clear communication—that's uh, that's key. Absolutely. In uh, in in RollQuest, what we've done is we also have, you know, specific stretch goals that are going to be reached. When the game is funded, which is actually very, very close to be funded. So people will have things to expect and return to our Kickstarter page to see what is the next you yeah. know, stretch goal that is going to be unlocked. And, uh, and that is, you know, in the communication of, uh, is part of the communications we tend to include towards our backers. <laughs> We we've got a we've got a few things up our sleeve in terms of yeah, <laughs> go on some nice announcements as the as the as the campaign goes by. So, uh, and we our social media plan uh, is is our calendar is pretty much all for the duration of the campaign and and a while after that. So, um, I, I think we've got that area covered. But I I agree with you that 
that is something that as a backer, because I do back mm-hmm. a few Kickstarters myself, um, I, I do yeah. notice sometimes. Well, I think uh, you guys are currently 85% funded for RollQuest with 25 days to go. So, Roughly. you know, things oh, are yeah. looking good. Yes. And, you know, before this interview, we were 84. Now we're 85. <laughs> Lucky into where do people need to go if they are interested in RollQuest or perhaps even want to uh, pledge some money towards the game itself? Okay, so if, if, if even if someone Googles RollQuest, RollQuest, two words, they will direct, the Google will direct them to our Kickstarter page. And, well, if they search Kickstarter, um, uh, they search RollQuest, again, the same result. And of course, we are in Facebook. We are in we are on Twitter. So uh, we have like many, many, many sources covered in Batasca. Sure. And just to be clear, because people have been asking me that it's Roll Quest R O L E Quest. Yeah, not roll as in roll of the dice. Roll as in yes, roll exactly. call or role play. Yeah. And if people are interested in what Hercules Game Studios are up to, uh, where do they go for that? So our website is www.after-london.com and this is where you can find out about RollQuest, about other game After London and Hercules Game Studios as well. And our Facebook and Twitter, we're quite active. I can prompt great, great puns if they follow us on Twitter. Uh, For those those that enjoy that. (laughs) Puns galore if you follow Hercules Game Studios. Um, Alex, Phoebus, thank you very much for joining us on the show. The pleasure was ours. Thank you, Ben. And for all of you uh, listening, wherever you are, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye.